All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing's nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth building market insights. Matt Schreiber, and this is uh, Bull Bear Radio. Bull Bear Radio. Uh, with me today, I've got Steve V. The uh, No, he's not the lead guitar player for the E Street Band. <laughs> uh, he is Chief Investment Officer WBI here. And uh, Steve, we're going to talk a little bit about to cut or not to cut. All right. That is the question, right? We got a big Fed meeting today and tomorrow. We're going to be getting this podcast out pretty quick, give you some ideas on what we're thinking, what what might happen, what might not happen, and what the, what the market's reaction might be here. So, Steve, you know, talk to me, man. Well, you know, it's been an interesting time. I think uh, you look back a couple of months and people thought the chance of a cut uh, anytime soon was completely unheard of, right? Uh, the last time that we saw a dot plot coming from the Fed, uh, there was, you know, a number of the guys still had hikes priced in for this year, but man, have things turned, you know, turned around. Yeah. Um, and they turned around even just today. Uh, as you know, we had tweet, tweet, we had tweet, tweet. We first had, well, we first had Draghi this morning, right? Yes. Overnight. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So when I walked into the office this morning, uh, the, 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 uh, Fed funds futures market, we're actually pre- predicting a 27% chance of a cut tomorrow. Uh, but I look at it just now, right before we uh, meet. This is only, I don't know, four hours later. Now it's down to 18% because you've got uh, other things going on. Mm-hmm. Tweet, tweet, yes. Market's uh, up today. Market's up. Everybody's positive again. Hmm. Yep. So I think there's a lot of people, including us, that are, are wondering just exactly what the Fed's going to do. Yeah. So, Steve, what do you think the Fed is going to do, right? To cut or not to cut? Well, That's the question. I mean... Look, you know, we had uh, Empire Manufacturing uh, came out yesterday. It was the largest drop on record. Yes. In the great state of New York. Right. Yep. And today nobody cares. Right. That's that's a, you know, a lagging economic indicator. Right. Yep. Um, it's data that's in the can. These are factory orders. They're down. Yep. Things are starting to stink it up, you know. Atlanta Fed GDP is hovering around 2%. It's a slight uptick from where it was in the 1.5% range, right? It was like 1.5, 1.6. It's up at like 2 right now, but still relatively low from where we've been over the last few years. That showed, hey, the economy's been pretty strong. It's been hovering between 3s and 4s and 5s and 6s, for God's sakes. Right. And I think everybody, you know, thinks that there is going to be a, a slowdown to, of some degree. The question is how much. But yeah, I mean, we, we already have seen it. It seems we've to already me. seen it. But you know, seventy five thousand jobs. Seventy five thousand jobs. Then that's the thing. We've had a lot of bad data. Certainly, um, is it enough? Right. But you know, we had the as you said, the Empire Fed, uh, which certainly told a lot of a lot of different parts of the story. Yep. Um, you know, May's ISM uh, manufacturing index fell to the lowest level since 2016. As you might recall, durable goods orders were horrible, fell uh, 2.1 back in March. 
Uh, you know, ADP number. Remember that ADP yeah. number came in at twenty seven thousand right, right before non farm payrolls. Of Existing 75. home sales has been a dud. It has. There's been a little resurgence in homes, but uh, not, you know, not 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 a, strong. Not, not for strong. this time of year. Yeah, you know, no. spring was was bad. Right. Uh, That's true. Spring was bad, and uh, you know, usually spring is is relatively strong. And don't we have uh, housing starts coming up? Was that today or is that tomorrow? Or uh, I think that is uh, tomorrow. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. I might I might have missed Something it this like morning. That. So so we'll be uh, that'll be on the radar too. But a lot yeah. of bad data here. Yeah, a lot of bad data. What? You know, the, the I mean, retail sales, everybody's talking about retail sales last Friday, right? Retail sales came in a little bit stronger and everybody was kind of pumped up right. over that and said, oh, maybe that's going to slow the Fed down. Um, and there is a lot of question about, is this enough bad data to have them not cut? And I think, you know, you're asking me to cut or not to cut. I, I don't think we're going to see a cut tomorrow. I'll Ooh. just cut right to the chase. Dang. I, I uh, it might not make people happy. I don't know. Did the market sell off on that news? But probably not. I no, I, but but this is the Steve Leisman scenario. We were just watching CNBC together for a second, right? Where the Fed doesn't cut here. So yeah. what's the timeline look like if they don't cut? And what happens if they don't cut? So I think that they, uh, and again, this is, I don't, I think they probably should cut, but we could talk about that later. But yes. as far as what I think they're going to do, I don't think that they can um, say that they have enough uh, evidence right now to justify a cut. Furthermore, last time they were meeting the last uh, dot plot that we saw, you know, most people were calling for those hikes, like I was saying. So to have all of those inflation hawks that are on the voting members, um, all the neutral guys, have them all switch from predicting a hike to now switching and actually cutting only a month and a half, two months later, um, it would really take uh, a lot more data. And I think what we're going to have to see is probably more uh, low employment numbers, maybe a real strong pickup in initial uh, unemployment claims, um, and maybe a kind of a consistent basis for that. But besides that, we've got we know we've got the uh, the G twenty coming up, uh -huh. right? Yep. Which we, was what the tweet was about. That was this the tweet. Morning. Yeah, that when, was the big tweet that uh, got the market all hot and bothered. Yep. You know, market started running. Semiconductors are like rocking and rolling. Moonshot today. Yep. Yeah, and that's just again when we're talking about the tweet. It's Don Donald Trump, President Trump, saying uh, that you know he is going to meet at the uh, the G twenty and uh, talks summit. are resuming. Yeah, yeah, the talks are resuming. So, but yeah, you know, you say that, but but then, the funny thing was on Friday night, right? There was uh, something that came across the well, Bloomberg terminal that said, okay, uh, you know, Trump said he's in no hurry. Right. And then secondarily, Wilbur Ross said nothing's going on. Yeah. No, he Wilbur Ross, no Commerce Secretary, Secretary, said the best thing that you can hope out of the G20 is, is that they talks. actually meet. They talk. But right. If, but if anybody thinks that there's actually going to be a trade deal on June 30th, you're out of your mind. Sorely mistaken. You're sorely mistaken, which so don't puts press us, that. Which puts us into July. Right. In July, there's a lot of stuff happening. So yes. let's say we get disappointment. Let's say the Fed doesn't cut. Let's say we go in, and even if there is a meeting, with Trump and G, maybe they begin talks and they kind of resume the same sort of way that they did coming out of uh, you know right. Argentina, right? The market wants a deal, though. Yeah, they're not going to get a deal, I don't think, in the G20. Right. Then we have July 5th, we have non-farm payrolls. That's going to be a big number people are watching. If that shows weakness again, so, um, you know, that, that, that's, 
that's definitely going to give more evidence. You're saying July, that's July 5th. That's July 5th, right. And then it's right around the first that Friday time, month. Yep. we get earnings season starting. Right. Now, right. earnings season, boy, I don't know. I, I know there's people that have dissent, but I think that we're going to see some real bloody uh, stuff going on with earnings. I know they've been talking down earnings. They've been lowering forecasts. It's all about whether you beat your forecast. But um, I think that there's going to be a lot of misses. And even as we saw in last earnings season, that ended up being a little more positive than people thought. Still, the companies that missed got destroyed. It was gnarly. Destroyed, exactly. And that, that that's the thing that people sort of miss is that... Um, and that was May. That's part of the May decline, yeah. by the way. And only, you know, the, the market is just recovering from that now that we're ending June. Right. You know? Uh, 95% of stocks in the S&P 500 have recovered their May losses, they're saying. I just saw that headline. But that doesn't mean... No. That you know, isn't, that it's isn't all good in the hood, right? right. Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, and, and again, this is before... Remember, first quarter was before the tariff, uh, that whole thing came to light. Right. So between, you know, that uh, the, May, the May situation, increased fears... Uh, sentiment indicators in the manufacturing world. We saw, you know, people, you know, there's a lot less capital expenditure going on with companies yes. um, across the board. They're they're slowing down. They're buying. Have they slowed it down enough for the Fed to cut? Again, probably not, in my opinion. But I think that we're going to see some really distur- uh, disturbing earnings reports coming out. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, starting the second week or so of July. Um, and you know, from there, I think that we'll probably will see a July end of July Fed cut when they meet again. Uh, I believe on the thirty first. Because of the market volatility, there'll be the risk that the asset bubble is going to burst by then. You'll have enough right. bad data, yep, bad earnings, and and that you're thinking the Fed cuts then. Now, you and I were talking uh, just a couple of days, you know, like Monday yesterday, maybe I guess right. That uh, and this could have changed, but 56 percent of uh, folks polled in in the Bloomberg uh, terminal there uh, were saying a 50 basis point, uh, 50 basis point rate cut at the end of July. Yeah. Do you think they go that deep in July? They'll have to. I think they do. And uh, if my memory serves correctly, I believe that the first cut in each easing cycle of the last two uh, uh, easing cycles has been a 50 basis point cut, if I'm remembering correctly. It's sure. basically because typically the Fed is a little slow behind the curve, to, yep. to, you know, b- b- behind the curve. They're waiting for that data that that's lagging. And when they realize suddenly, well, you know, I, how much ammo do I have? How much dry powder do I have? And again, they don't have what they, this time, they don't have what they had in 2008, as we all know. Interest rates were a lot higher then. We, you know, we're working on two and a quarter right now. So, you know, how much real ammo do they have? So the market likes surprises. Um, good ones, I should say. Market market doesn't like bad surprises. No. But um, if they're not going to cut tomorrow, um, if they did cut tomorrow, it certainly would be a good surprise to the positive. And I think we would see a continuation of the rally that's going on right now as we speak. Uh, but assuming that they don't cut tomorrow, I, I, I bet that they would cut 50 basis points in July because the predictions are so high that there is going to be a July cut. The only way that they could get a boost out of that ammo is for there to be a 50 basis point cut because everybody's expecting 25 probably. Right. Okay. So we were talking last week. Okay. Let's, let's switch gears. Well, it's not really switching gears, but it's, it's along the same lines here of, of what we're talking about. Now you happen to be uh, a fixed income bond expert. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of uh 
you know, uh, where, where you've had a lot of experience in the past, right? Yeah, what I, is the I, and I think I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say expert I, here. Let's let's okay. back off on expert, but that certainly has been the majority of my experience. Sure. Okay. Well, <laughs> I like to have you know experts on my. Oh, podcast sorry. All right. Here, I didn't you know mean, on Bull Bear Radio we only have experts. I, I didn't mean to take the wind no, out of your sails. No, I'm there. just kidding. So, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yield curve, man. That, yeah. You know, yeah. Give me your interpretation of what the yield curve is telling us. We were talking about this last week. You know, uh, to cut or not to cuts with this, you know, it's with this whole theme. Usually the yield curve uh, indicates weakness in the economy. Yep. Yep. Recession potentially looming. It's kind of predictive. It's it's kind of baked in the data. Again, it's it's happened, but it's also predictive of when you start to have an inverted yield curve. Right. So explain this to us, why it's a little bit predictive here and uh, why we should be paying attention to this. Right. So so let's first talk about uh, there are a lot of yield curves. Uh, Let's talk about the one that that most people, economists and, and, and I would agree are, are the most predictive, and that would be the one that's uh, the difference between the three-month and the 10-year yields. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three-month on the short end, because that's really going to be the reaction to uh, Fed you know, and what, what, what monetary policy is doing. Right. Uh, some people talk about two versus 10-year yield curves. There are plenty of other yield curves, but when uh, the three-month um, three and 10-year yield curve is inverted, what that means is, again, just... Uh, forgive me, but just making sure everybody's understanding that it means that interest rates on the three-yield are higher than the interest rates on the 10-year. It means that the uh, expectations uh, in the future are lower, um, and so people are demanding more uh, you know, rate of return for what we have in the, in the current. And you know, right now, the three-month is uh, it's been inverted since I believe it was May 22nd. So we're approaching almost an entire month now of inversion. Uh, The curve did invert earlier in March uh, for a few days, came back, inverted for a couple of days uh, in May at some point, came back. But then we inverted again at the end of the month, and it's it's stayed there now for uh, almost a month. So what's this saying? Well, basically... That inversion, and especially when the yield curve inverts for uh, enough time to give that signal, and some people say that's 10 days, some say it's 30 days, which we are fast approaching, that's preceded every single recession of the last seven recessions. Now, that doesn't mean that the recession happens tomorrow. Typically, there is a gap and there's a length of time. Sometimes it's uh, 90 days, or but sometimes it's a year, mm-hmm. sometimes a little bit more. So it doesn't mean that the recession is right coming around the corner. but um, Signaling a softness and a slowness absolutely. In, in the underlying economy. So, look, we're, we're going to take a very short break, but, you know... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about why this market feels fragile and it is a little scary at the moment uh, per Steve here. So we'll be right back with some thoughts on why this is kind of pre-crisis, uh, pre-crisis market. WBI's original active risk managed investment process targets the optimal blend of bear market protection and bull market participation. Our bull bear strategies combine our time-tested, multi-factor security selection models with our advanced dynamic trailing stop process to help protect capital for conservative or moderate investors. Learn more over at WBIinvestments.com. All right, and we're back. So, uh, you know, 
get the podcast everywhere you can get a podcast. Uh, you know, iTunes, Google Play, uh, so on and so forth. If you want to follow us, follow us on Twitter, Bull Bear Radio, uh, WBI President, WBI CEO. You can get all the up-to-date insights and thoughts. You know, maybe we don't move markets like the president does, but hey, you know, we got some we've got some thoughtfulness to, to what we're putting out there. So check us out. So, Steve, back to, you know, we we're just talking yield curve a little bit. Tell me why you're a little worried here in terms of some of what's going on underlying feels really eerie to you, like pre-crisis stuff going on. Sure. That that, you know, we're at all time market highs. Yep. But what's what what's screaming to you that you don't like this market? Well, uh, I would say that we hang on every tweet of the president. I mean, that's, that's a little <laughs> ridiculous. Start right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That the, the, the president's tweeting is is the thing that moves the market the most. That's a little bit nerve wracking. But no, for me, look, it's 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 my experience and my history. So you know, you mentioned earlier before the break. Um, you know, yeah, I've been around a little bit. Um, I hate to admit, but I was around through, uh, you know, the 2000, 2001, but I was also around, uh, 2007, eight, nine and, and, and that, and, uh, I was predominantly in fixed income there and, uh, I was focusing a lot on mortgage backed securities, especially, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I'm starting to see and feel a lot of that same way that I felt back then in 2007, uh, mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel that same type of feeling. I mean, right now, I don't know if you look this morning or whatever, but bond markets up, you know, suggesting a flight to quality, <laughs> right. yeah. but stock markets flying as well, yeah. right? So I remember very well looking over with my colleagues at the time in 2007 saying, man, you know, we, we were in fixed income and we would say, I don't know what those stock market guys are doing. What? Why are they still buying this thing yeah. up? Yep. The, the end is here. It's coming. And that's the that's the that's the thing that just sort of seems eerily reminiscent to me. I don't know if it's going to be as bad. I don't know. I don't think it's going to take the same form. It never does. But there are some similarities. Uh, You know, just one final point on that yield curve inversion. It just you know it basically suggests that the Fed is too tight on the short end. So right. As of recording right now, right, market's uh-huh. up uh, one and a half, you know, one and a quarter, one and a half percent, depending on the uh, on the gauge. Up 0.42 percent on TLT. Yeah. Right. Which is the uh, iShares 20 year yeah. treasury. Yeah. What's going on, man? You yeah. have a, a huge market rally today, yet flight to qualities running at the same time, too. I yeah. mean. Some of these things don't add up, yeah. uh, and we've been saying that for a couple of weeks. Markets up today, but hey, TLT's running like a banshee. Yeah, that doesn't that those two things should be moving in opposite directions under normal conditions. They shouldn't be correlated. They they typically are. At least that's what we're uh, mostly used to, and what we're all uh, you know right. in in a normal situation. Uh, certainly, you'd expect that you know a so flight to quality would suggest that there is a, a a decrease. But you know, and and the thing is, is if we just saw a lowering on the short end of the yield curve, you know, if rates were declining on the short end in anticipation of a rate cut. Uh, that would be one thing. But the fact is the entire curve has really shifted down. Uh, we're still seeing that inversion flattened out a little bit, but it's steepened up again in the past two days. And, you know, that's really just suggestive of, uh, you know, it's it's ominous. I think there's dark, right. dark clouds are brewing. Yes. And we're seeing that as well in other areas. Um, one of the areas uh, is, you know, basically looking at uh, 
corporate loans. Uh, so I'm not know if you're yeah. familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, there's a, a market out there called the collateralized loan market, or you know, where they talk about leveraged loans. Yeah, these are typically issued to smaller to mid-sized companies that. You know they're 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 looking for some cash, and with these low rates that we've had for so long, and the market has been going up and the economy's been good, these small to mid-sized companies been able to lever up. Man, they have been uh, hmm. uh, just growing their their debt um, at an amazing pace. One because they can, because interest rates are low. Right. Two because market uh, standards, issuance standards for those loans have started to decline a little bit in the past year or so. Um, and two and three, part of me, is because there's been such a demand for the product. In a low interest rate environment, people want yield. Right. Gu- guess where they can get yield? They can get almost 9% yield on some of the riskier parts of what are called collateralized loan obligations or what those are is basically securitized forms of these loans. Mm-hmm. So you have a whole bunch of companies, uh, they they go out, they get individual loans on their own, and then a bank will take the package variety of up. loans, yep. package them up, slice them up, or what we call tranching them up into different pieces of risk. So you've got a triple A, a double A, a single A, all mm-hmm. the way down. And then they'll sell them. And people are hungry for that because they're hungry for yield in a right. low interest rate environment. Well, what does that sound familiar? To me, Right. Sounds like the mortgage back crisis. Right. I was right there in the middle of it, and that's what exactly what we were doing. Right, we had lower lending standards, mm-hmm. increased demand from uh, both the the homeowners as well as increased demand from the 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 investing public. And you had just a situation that sort of, uh, it was like a rock tumbling down, you know, just gathering more and sure. more and more and moss. And it, it didn't end well, as we know, in the end. Now, I don't, I don't think that CLO market or this leveraged loan market is going to end this way necessarily. But um, right now, there's $1.3 trillion uh, leveraged loans out there. I was just about to ask, do you know, do you know yeah. what the magnitude, the yeah. scale of this is? One, 1.3 trillion is, is, is how much there is right now. And, you know, basically it's increased at a very significant rate um, over the past couple of years. Uh, there was a hesitancy to get into it after the mortgage uh, situation because, in essence, the products and the structured nature of it is, is quite similar to right. mortgages. But, looks um, the same, yeah, feels the same, kind of smells the same. Exactly. But, you know, one of the differences that we're going to have this time around, and I don't really know how this is going to play out, but last crisis, it was all the big banks that held a lot of mm. the risky portion of that debt. They held that on their balance sheet or they'd sometimes, you know, they were uh, levering up and they would uh, be doing a lot of these deals. And so, so you're saying some of the smaller institutions are exposed here. Is that what you're kind of getting? Well, at, even worse, nobody really knows necessarily because 85 percent of the uh, leveraged loans, the CLOs are we don't uh, the, the Fed and the regulators don't actually know who owns them. They could be in hedge funds. They could be in pension funds. They could be held by, you know, other institutional investors like that, most likely. Mm-hmm. But they're not sitting on bank balance sheets. Well, that's good in some ways because we're not going to see this huge financial crisis necessarily right. where you're going to have be- uh, Fed bailouts and things like that. Right. Treasury bailouts. But some investors are going to get they're smoked gonna get crushed. If, if companies don't grow and can't meet the obligations. Right. And as as you know, and as credit conditions deteriorate like that, 
Um, think about those small and mid-sized companies. And if there is a trade war and their earnings go down, what's going to happen? They're not going right. to be able to pay their loans and there could be a big spiraling effect. And um, it, it, we could see some similarities. It's not going to look exactly the same, right. but uh, it could, but that, could be. Could that bleed into, you know, corporate debt in general? Absolutely. In terms I mean, of kind of like, a, you know, people throw around the word contagion. Would some of that, uh, you know, from a, a downgrade perspective, absolutely rock I mean, the rock the corporate debt market because a lot of the issuance was right above, uh, you know, uh, junk, yeah, right in yeah. the last five years. Yeah, so I mean, the leverage loan market is is has some similarities, but um, you know, again, it's it's typically a different audience for for who needs those loans, right? But you're absolutely right that the corporate market. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of those lower still quote unquote investment grade corporate bonds, uh, the rating agencies and other organizations are coming out saying that, you know what, they're actually junk. They should be really being treated as junk bonds, not investment right. grade. And that's right now before the rating agencies have made a move to downgrade them. Right. Once they downgrade them, then, you know, spreads are going to widen. It's going to be a lot harder for those companies to borrow. And that's going to be right going into the moment when they need borrowing the most. Right. And uh, yeah, they're they're all levered up, uh, and they have been thanks in part to very low interest rates and this huge expansion that we've had over ten years now. All right. So let's wrap this up in a little bow for our listeners here. Uh, to cut or not to cut? You think the Fed should cut? I think the Fed should cut because I think they should be preemptive. I think that the writing is on the wall, and I think that the best thing that would happen is that the market gets a nice surprise tomorrow and the Fed stays ahead. But knowing the Fed, knowing their uh, mandate, I think that it's really kind of hard pill for me to swallow to think that they're actually going to come out and cut. So, so what should investors do here? Do you think you know, uh, diversification of asset classes, stocks, bonds, cash gets the job done. Some diversification here. Do should people be very careful? Should they they you know have some active management in their portfolios instead of just you know passive and hoping that uh, you know non correlation and right. diversification works? What would you do here? Yeah, well, I, I think I think it, the, the the telltale thing that you said right there. The, the, the main thing to avoid is uh, what I would do is I would avoid passive index funds, things like that right now. Okay. S&P funds, uh, you know, funds that track the various indices. You'd be careful with putting too much oh, there yeah. right now and getting excited about this rally. The next right. up leg today. Right. There might be a time for that, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. There, maybe there could for be. Later this year or something. There could be. We could see if, if there's some positive news. Um, you know, even though we might see a recession, like we said, a year out. Right. Very often, um, the equity market has continued to advance bef uh, after the time. yield curve inversion before the recession actually occurs. Right, right. But we're getting close to the end, people. So I would really say that people should be going for active management, a little bit of diversification, but looking for a firm um, and investment opportunities that can help uh, protect their capital and as well as diversify their assets and get them out of the market quickly when uh, when when the writing is uh, starting to look pretty bad. Yeah, well, you know, people have been and we've been talking about this. If you haven't caught it, we have a, a couple of, you know, kind of white paper style pieces out. Uh, FOMO. Or Fongo, right? And and Don and I have been talking about this. You know, people are either in the fear of missing out camp, and you're yeah. saying, dude, 
don't worry about the fear of missing out right here. You you got to you got to protect your your capital. Yeah. So you're in the uh, fear of not getting out quick enough camp. You think people should be a little bit careful with what they're doing. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, that, those seem kind of extreme to me, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, right, right. I, I think I'd be. You should a, temper a little bit, your fear of missing out absolutely. at the moment. Still can have money in the equity game, sure. But just don't put all your your chips on red or black here. You got to right. be careful. Yeah, because the, the the market is not making this easy for us right now. We're we're either going to be trading sideways or a very volatile situation. That's not to say if the rate if the Fed does cut tomorrow and and we see a spike in rates, et cetera. You know, yeah, I mean spike in. Uh, uh, the market that that potential is there but it's just as equally possible if not more so that the market just gets disappointed tomorrow and 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 we see a bad situation happen right and steve rolling into uh you know Tariffs, july with uh, earnings low volume and all that kind of good stuff so steve thanks we'll we'll very uh, well yeah thank you um so that's a bull bear radio number 73 to cut or not to cut this is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stocks discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time. And there is always the possibility of loss. You should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or any other investment professional. If you have questions regarding the applicability of specific issues discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or your chosen professional advisor. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. WBI's advisory operations, services, and fees are in the form ADV available upon request. You are not permitted to publish, transmit, or otherwise reproduce this information in whole or in part in any format to any third party without the express written consent of WBI Investments Inc.